from the Good Shepherd Auditorium in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who live here in this neighborhood that we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome composer and musician David Friend. David is an experimental musician living in New York City here in Inwood, a classically trained pianist. He performs regularly with new music groups and is a soloist at major venues and do-yourself spaces throughout the city, across the country, and abroad. The New York Times describes him as, quote, one of the finest, busiest pianists active in New York City's contemporary classical scene, unquote. He has recorded for numerous labels, including the most recent release for solo piano and electronic processing, Post for New Amsterdam Records, and with Third Coast Percussion for Sadie in an album that won the Grammy Award for Best Chamber Music Performance. He is a co-founder of Bent Duo, an interdisciplinary project with Bill Solomon that frequently explores issues of queer identity, theory, aesthetics through performance, multimedia work, and artistic collaborations. As a generative artist, his work often focuses on experimental queer traditions of availabilism, aesthetics of extremity, and the disruption of traditional hierarchies between and among artists and the public. If you're fascinated, intrigued, and interested in actually what this music might sound like, well, guess what? You're in luck. Let's go where music and can only exist where words fail, and listen now to two compositions by David Friend. I believe in fighting violence, but got to go out and beat up a pig or something. Go out and beat up a... Go out and beat up a... Go out and beat up a pig. A pig. Beat up a pig. Beat up a pig. Men are oppressors. They are they just oppress you in all different ways. I as a person don't believe that a transvestite or a woman should do all the wash and do all the cooking and do everything that was forced on by the bourgeois society and the establishment that women have to do this. I have a person. A person. A transvestite. 
There you have it, folks. David, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad this is finally happening. I know. We've, I've just so long story short is like continually checked in with David throughout the years in the pandemic, saying, "Hey, we're trying to do something, keep the dream alive here," and uh, schedules have never matched up until now. So I'm glad we finally got you. Yeah, and I mean, isn't that the way things happen in the <laughs> art world, right? All the near misses, all the near misses, and then the stars align. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and we just heard uh, two pieces and one uh, a brand new piece uh, as we were talking off camera mm -hmm. or a little bit before earlier off, off audio. So could you tell us what we just listened to? Sure. So um, the so two very different things. <laughs> First of all, which in a nutshell, I guess, kind of summarizes to a certain extent, kind of my life as a musician, mm -hmm. lots of different things. Um, the first piece is actually part of a bigger project um, that is um, a piece of my work with Bent Duo. So that's a creative project with my partner, Bill Solomon. Um, and we do a lot of interdisciplinary work, um, but usually with some connection to sound. And uh, that piece is part of a bigger, bigger project called uh, Was Here. And the concept behind the, the bigger project is that there are a lot of spaces in New York City, but in a lot of places um, that once upon a time were kind of um, uh, locations for queer communities. And often these were, you know, hidden places or they were places that were abandoned or nobody else wanted to go to, right, for a variety of reasons. Um, and many of these places have sort of lost that identity over the years, whether through, you know, redevelopment, urban renewal, gentrification, you know, all these different sorts of um, 
reasons. And uh, the idea of this project essentially was to go to some of these lost queer community spaces and create like little wormholes back into that kind of connect you with that past. So this piece was part of the first iteration of that project, which happened at um, the Christopher Street Pier, uh, which is now a, you know, absolutely gleaming, sparkling waterfront park yeah. with, you know, yoga classes, you know, free yoga classes and all this kind of stuff. But used to be this like literally falling into the Hudson, decaying, abandoned commercial pier, which because, you know, really no one had any interest or use for it became this space where, you know, queer people could gather and could sort of have their own space that they weren't harassed by the police, you know, um, and so what we did was we created these pieces that kind of channeled the pre-existing energy of that space. Um, and we made these short pieces. So the audio you heard also has a uh, visual component. Um, and what we did is we created, we essentially created QR codes and we distributed them around the space. Um, and on the when we sort of opened the piece, uh, we were there in person and just sort of handing out like not a lot of info, just sort of like this QR code, mm -hmm. right? So anybody who happens to be curious and, um, you know, use their phone gets this little wormhole, which in the case of this piece, you hear the very angry, right? Yeah. <laughs> very like angry. Distortion. Right. Like, uh, well, text, yes. from, which is uh, an archival recording of Sylvia Rivera speaking, who is one of the, you know, sort of legendary queer activist and was one of the you know mm -hmm. people present at the Stonewall riots, et cetera, and who actually lived on the pier for a period of time, um, oh, wow. was homeless um, for, you know, off and on for years. And it, it channels that element of rage yeah. um, that was part of that community space, right? Yeah. That it was a safe space because it was abandoned, right? Like we, at the time, you know, this feeling that like the only safe spaces right for a lot of queer people at that time were spaces that nobody else was around right so it was tapping into that part of it and other pieces of that iteration of the project are not all channeling the anger element um but that one in particular does sort of plug into well, it starts that. off that way but i have to say too that's like you know there's um, among it there's there's some brighter spots within the piece too i have to yeah. say that are that's mm -hmm. nice you can't have one with the other i think mm -hmm. uh and so but uh yeah well that's a what an amazing concept and can can people still find the qr code somewhere down on the pier right now um uh, go check it out all right <laughs> i love it i love it yeah and part it is kind of i don't know the the mysterious quality is sort of part of the project like we want people to stumble across it and yeah. and that really is the only way to access aside from this podcast <laughs> okay special access that right. really is kind of the only way to access those pieces is like through these little wormholes the that we're leaving of behind. the qr code to put on the screen for the video version of the podcast okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah but uh well i that's that's a great story it's a really really great story because yeah i think that that, that piece um because I, I could only take it on its own i haven't gone on the full journey mm. uh but it's funny it's like i feel like it does um because i was trying to catch a lot of the sampling too and does explore I feel gender and identity and mm -hmm. perhaps a sense of belonging yeah a hundred percent and I think also it's um it, a part of that is sort of um you know built communities chosen families all of that kind of but uh you, you know chosen families about people but also 
so often community involves space as well, right? So it's, um, and like, uh, you know, this concept of availableism, which I think runs a course through a lot of um, sort of queer, creative, and artistic practices, which is like, well, I have this because nobody else wants it, yeah. right? Or this is the thing that's devalued, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about um, like, um, like drag artists, right? So often it's, this uh, center of their practice is taking something that is is not valued like oh it's it's so tacky right or it's so cheesy or it's it's terrible it's got whatever and then really figuring out a way to celebrate that and making it something that is you know sort of um that transcends itself um so i think with the the way that we um constructed that piece there are elements of that too there's really harsh sound right and there's also really sort of unadulterated sound just sound that's you know captured that could be thought of as like noise right not pristine necessarily but then using those as building blocks to create something that has a unified or anyway a meaningful aesthetic right that kind of yeah transcends those rough elements yeah and I you think. have that piano underlying too there that kind of is either it could take you ascending or descending depending how how you're feeling um you know and uh you know it carries such an emotional alarm with it yeah yeah, yeah. well good i'm glad like the, <laughs> well, i mean i'm, I'm not yeah. trying to i'm like i'm not telling anybody what to think either by the way i'm just no. saying it's like just like i'm just playing off of what you told you're you're kind of giving me the like the the box set version of like the the real into it and so just kind of like just because i can only respond to it on a sonic level sure and so yeah well and that's but also part i mean it's great to but hear the context is the context is just added me added to me now i'm thinking of that and it's like that's what it's giving me from that yeah and it's it's cool to talk about it as well because i mean i think thinking of the bigger project we really do sort of want it to be you know, for the average person who is going to, you know, see a QR code, be curious and just, mm -hmm. it'll put, there is no context really. Yeah. Um, and yet in the creation of it, there is this much broader context. So <laughs> the day that we actually, we were physically present and we were in addition, you know, to our sort of longer sneaky plan of having the QR codes around, we literally, you know, we're just sort of, you know, as you would like a, like a flyer you don't want necessarily, right? right? Like yeah. for that you're just, I've you, been that guy. You take, you know what out. I mean? No, so I it's like just not a whole lot of info or whatever. And then it was really interesting to see um, people's response because a lot of people, you know, were just sort of hanging out or whatever on because it is a park now, right? So it wasn't just people quickly passing by on their way to whatever. And a lot of people, you know, who kind of circled back around and found us and were like, hey, um, let's talk about that. Or you know what I mean? Who were, who <laughs> were, I need to talk about this. <laughs> right. Or who like, who had a strong, like they had thoughts about it and they wanted to share them or yeah. they had questions and they wanted to be like, you know, who, who was talking or, um, you know, what, what prompted this? Is this part of, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I love that feedback and I love giving space to people to, um, to have whatever response they have, right? Like, I don't want to, um, I'm, I'm personally not so interested in creating um, creative space where people have a really clear, like, guideline about, yeah. I should be feeling this, I should be you thinking this. You don't have to validate this. something true or not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, 
Yeah. So well, I'm just happy just to be able just to hear about more of it from you. That's all I care about. Great. So yeah. I, um, and the, and the second piece. Sure. So the second piece. Yeah. Like, totally, like yeah. totally different. Cue right? the opera singers. Yeah. <laughs> and it, right. And so going, I mean, like, welcome to my life, right? Like, it's just like so many, like seemingly disparate things that for whatever reason, like all make yeah. sense to me. But another outdoor piece. It is another outdoor piece in that sense. Um, it is, uh, there is a point of connection. Also another, um, I think I can say this, but, uh, another exciting thing that I haven't said I, to a lot of people yet. Um, so another exclusive on the podcast hey. maybe, is the, the project. So the big project that this is a small sample from, um, it premiered at Riverside park, um, last month and, uh, and that was amazing. It was great. Um, but you know, flashing lights, whatever. It's actually the piece is coming to Inwood Hill Park next month. All right. Yeah. And so there's going to be, um, there's going to be a, because the terrain of the space is so different, it will be slightly different, but essentially the same work, um, site specific, different sites. So it will change a little, but, um, yeah, we're coming, we're coming to Inwood with, which is really exciting. Yes. Yeah. So the, it, the big project is, um, is called, um, capacity. Um, and it is a, uh, it's a bunch of people who came together. So Melissa Riker, who has uh, Kinesis, Kinesis dance project, um, who is also an Inwood resident, yep. um, and a brilliant choreographer. Um, she and her uh, dancers, who often do public work, um, you know, in public places, um, they did the uh, the choreography for this piece, which is it's just so interesting because it's like uh, it is happening in a public place, but it's also kind of this like mobile, like um, like the piece moves across space, and it just like it's this really turned into this remarkable thing that came together. Um, and then there's music and the music, um, is composed by four people actually. So I'm, it's not just all my music, um, who are all affiliated in some way with, um, a New York based group called antisocial music, um, who also the instrumental performers are antisocial music people. And then there are, there are singers as well who are part of opera on tap. So kinesis dance project, uh, and, Antisocial music and opera on tap were the big sort of organizational elements that brought this together. And it's just like an amazing constellation of people um, that turned into this like, I mean, I went to both performances in Riverside Park. And even though I'd been in the rehearsals and I, you know, wrote some of the music and, you know, I'd really seen it come together. It really just like, it was this amazing experience, you know, where like, it just like, hypnotized people you know and you just had all of these people just you know sort of like moving through this park together like transfixed by this um this movement that was happening and the it was just it was really remarkable so I'm, I'm really glad that it's coming to Inwood um and I was really happy to be a part of it um so the odd oh, you only heard the audio right um I'm talking about the whole project my contribution was this audio part um and I guess probably the most relevant thing I can really um, provide some context is that 
um, when I was talking with Melissa as the piece was coming together, she was really interested in the work of this um, geologist who had been studying um, the way that rocks crack, you know, and this not like all of a sudden necessarily, but, you know, these deep, deep um, geological things that happen over the span of, you know, hundreds and thousands of years. Yeah, fissures and the pressures, all of the the forces that that, uh, are involved with that. And this particular geologist who, through her research, had found, had sort of upended some thinking about the processes as they unfold that had been accepted, you know, for a long time. Um, And thinking about that geologist's work and then also thinking about on a like personal human level, the kind of pressures that so many of us and so many of our relationships have been under through the pandemic, through all of this, right? And this idea of intense pressures that sometimes lead to what seem like sudden, right, explosive fissures, right? Or extreme pressures that slowly, slowly change the shape of things or make a space that wasn't there before. Um, And so that sort of hearing her talk about um, her interest in that and how that was playing out in the choreography really got me thinking about all, all of those concepts as well. And so the approach I took with this piece was really to give the individual performers a lot of agency. So I created sort of a system for each of them to in a in a way to sort of create their own part so i did not tell them exactly play exactly these notes in this order at this time but i sort of created a structure where each of them um could use some elements that i provided and then think through some personal elements that that touched on this these concepts of like geology and personal loss and stuff um and i really couldn't have been more happy with the way it came together i mean the amazing performers and and it also turned out to kind of coincide with the way that the dancers were working with the choreography so it just became this sort of like really um rich collaboration and um and really i think meaningful people were really uh, caught up in it so well you got me excited about it i can't wait to see it that was the best answer i've heard anything yet today oh wow i mean great. that was just I mean, my point is like it's just wow it's just invigorating and it's you know nothing better than people being engaged and wanting to see something absolutely and experiencing it there's nothing better than that yeah and i think what melissa does is so amazing because you know in in the art so much so often we hear about it and we hear about it in public conversations, but, you know, artists often hear about it sort of in, you know, backstage conversations yeah. too about, uh, you know, the need to engage audiences and we're losing audiences or, you know, all this kind of stuff. These conversations have been going on for decades at this point. Right. Yeah. But then, you know, with like Melissa's work, it's like, it really turns that um, myth, right. That there's sort of this downward slope of, you know, broad cultural interest in the arts and more and more people are becoming less and less reachable, right? With what we think of as like capital A art or whatever, Mm -hmm. because Melissa is starting essentially with no audience, right? She's, she's delivering these pieces in spaces that are not built, right? To have 
conventional audience and also that are going to be filled with people who are there for other reasons and yet even in that space like these this work is really connecting with people both with people who are specifically interested in it and show up you know for the performance but then also for like a broad array of people you know i mean literally like there's someone who was jogging and they're in you know sweating and whatever and have just like stopped you know at whatever point they see and I've just continued on with it. I've you know? done outdoor drama. I've done outdoor Shakespeare. I told yeah. you, those are the best moments where the kids are riding through on their bikes and they're stopping. They're literally in their tracks. Yeah. Like you're saying, jogging, same thing. Right. It's, just, it's, it's so invigorating. And for however much time you have them, it's a gift. Yeah. And I think it really, to me, it's sort of, it. it is the, it proves, not that I'm, you know, trying to prove to anyone or we need, but it proves, right, that it isn't this sort of, um, it isn't this uh, fact of nature or something, right? That 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 the arts are this ivory tower thing that you have to make some kind of accommodation, mm-hmm. right, for yep. the broader public it's to, accessible. right? It it is that's not um, that isn't necessarily true, right? Mm-hmm. Because it does engage people. There are other things at play, maybe that makes it feel inaccessible at times, right. but, but it's not inherent. Dance is not for the them. Work. Right. Classical so, music is not for them. Right. Those instruments look shiny and expensive. Right. You know, a piano is really big. I can't afford that. Right. And so, you know, I think a lot of the time the, the onus is put on, on you know the meat and the potatoes of the dance or the music or the theater or whatever and i think a lot of times it's actually everything else it's the trappings right yeah. it's like not feeling comfortable walking into that theater space you know because yeah. you've never been in a space like that before right. or not feeling like oh i don't know how to behave right i don't know when to clap i don't know when to you know all that kind of stuff and it's not necessarily the art itself right because good art is transcendent right it, it transcends, you know, depending on the art, it can transcend language, it can transcend class, it can transcend all of these things. Um, and yeah, so I think work, you know, really creative work like Melissa's, it's like, it's an amazing sort of proof of concept of that. Yep. Right? And just so you guys know, if you don't know who Melissa Riker is, you can go back in our catalog <laughs> and find our podcast with Melissa Riker talking all about her work with Kinesis and also Estrogenius and mm-hmm. Dance Rising and all the other wonderful projects she has going on here and now also in Inwood. Uh, so yeah. I just, I'm just super jazzed that you guys got to collaborate in your neighbors. Yeah. How cool is that? It's amazing. And, you know, it's so because, you know, Opera on Tap and Antisocial Music are not Inwood specific organizations, no, no. right? Um, and so actually, we didn't know that. Yeah. Until we were well into the thick of it. And then I don't even quite remember how it came up, but I was, it was like, oh, you live in Inwood? We, we got big on the train together, maybe? I don't know. Well, it wasn't, it was in a conversation and I can't remember what the touchstone, but it was like, wait, where do you live? And then it was like, oh, we're neighbors. Folks, this is why I bet the farm on creating my company because I was like, you know, it's all about championing local artists and cultivating a local arts going audience because they're here, folks. Yeah. Like they're here. And David and Melissa are just, you know, two two more examples of it. Which farm did you bet? Dykeman Farmhouse? Yes, not that I'm going to say. <laughs> that one, yeah, I'll put them. But uh, not that one. But uh, well, thank you for, I mean, both two wonderful um, you know, by talking about the pieces, you also just kind of open up a whole 
you know, idea of your process too, and like, you know, larger ideas informing the music and, and why the music exists. And also your process of talking and, you know, tech, so, so to speak, music directing, compo- um, you know, conducting uh, with the artists. And, you know, because at the end of the day, I feel like we get, in the arts, it's it's so much by rote. It's very mm-hmm. much it's there's there's kind of like a not every, every they they really try they being the world because mm-hmm. it's commodified and it's like it's easier to put things in boxes and show you this is how it has to be done kind of thing and you know <laughs> buy the books from NTI and go to the musical kind of thing. Uh, it's that's why I have to do it and I, I I really appreciate both you and Melissa's aesthetics and I understand because I know hers and yours having worked with you both and. Uh, uh, just really wonderful idea of saying like it's about how it exists today in this time in this space mm-hmm. for these people right now as it exists. It's not you know for something else. It's for this moment. And as you kind of say, the trappings can be as exciting about why you're here now. Uh, that's keeping you here now um, because not everyone responds to the same things all the time. So I think it's really it's really fascinating to me. So yeah, thanks. yeah, exactly that. And I'm glad it's resonated. And when, um, you know, Bent Duob, when you had, when Inwood Artworks had the uh, gallery space yeah. in what's now the temporary library. Right. And, you know, I mean, that's a great example of this. Oh, I, I should, I'm on a soapbox now, apparently, but this idea, right, that so often you hear, which is like, and very much to your credit, like, I've never heard from you at all, which is like, you know, maybe, oh, it's a free event oh, it's, you know, it's in, it's part of a community, uh, you know, space, whatever. Like, you can't play that, right? Oh, that's too difficult, right? That one of, and it's like, we played the same, we played many of the same pieces that like a week later, we then went and played at Harvard Art Museum, you know, for the most rarefied audience, right? And the concert in Inwood, people were totally into it. You know, <laughs> oh, totally, and um, we got to go right there right now because uh, <laughs> I wanted to turn my attention to it, and um, and uh, I'm gonna zoom out, then I'm gonna zoom in on that concert actually, because sure. um, you know, uh, with Bill Solomon, I went again. We mentioned him earlier, but mm-hmm. just making sure his name is said again, give him full credit. <laughs> and uh, um, I mentioned the word interdisciplinary before to describe mm. the work by the project, and um, you know, this can be interpreted broadly uh and applied uh to the sound of the music of course but um uh, the way the the bent duo music makes me feel um it's it's tell me if it's fair to consider that the description is more applicable to the sense of like how a visual artist uses like found art Mm. to kind of um, and perhaps raw materials to kids toys um uh, whatever (laughs) etc and incorporates their textures along with traditional and electronic instrumentation Mm. to contribute towards a more aesthetically diverse yet more complete sound yeah wow that was so well stated i mean i think you know yes so (laughs) okay we're done here folks (laughs) So, yes, I think you really nailed it. Um, And just to sort of to put that in the context of 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 events, I guess, is, you know, both Bill and I are like conservatory trained musicians where, you know, we played together for years as professional musicians, you know, in New York, freelancing, making our living playing music, you know, in conventional concerts with established ensembles. Right. Um, 
and and that's great you know and and absolutely nothing wrong with that and anyone who is in the position to make their living right like playing music is the stars have aligned you know yes you have to work hard and all that yeah. but also you need a lucky break somewhere so but we both also had this growing over the years we had this growing space of things that we were interested in right things we were thinking about things that type of types of music that we both in structure and in sound and in aspects of collaboration that we weren't getting asked to do right like we weren't getting hired to you know play any of the types of pieces we played in this Enwood concert right um the types of artists that we've worked with since starting this group, like we would never have been in a position to collaborate them if we hadn't. So starting Bent Duo was really about um, facilitating a space where all of the those ideas that you really eloquently stated, that there was a space for that to happen, right? Yeah. Um, and when we just sort of did it, um, it was kind of, it was amazing what did start to happen because it was like, okay, in a sense, maybe we sort of had a laundry list of this mm -hmm. like pent up, like, oh, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Like maybe we can figure out a way to work something out or, um, and it really just, it, it really, it developed its own momentum. And I think, um, it really connected with people. Yeah. Well, pretty early i think so too and uh, and the one i'm going to go to because i have it's like burned into my mind <laughs> it's so fun it's so fun because it's it's again going back to what we're talking about it's about the performance it's about the actual participation of audience and performer um and i you will actually you actually have a name for it i'm sure but i'm going to refer to it as the sock composition and performance when you guys walked around with on your socks with 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 the uh the sandpaper like um percussion if you will yeah uh, but the, as i the only thing i'll mention more of it is that they didn't just walk around there was arpeggiations there was different sides they were walking through the entire space through the audience behind the audience um incorporate not saying incorporating the audience per se, but by inviting the audience to be part of it, using the entire space, um, the the piece took on not only a form of uh, different sounds, because um, then you had different audible reactions from the audience while you were moving through them, that space, which became actually part of the piece. So I thought that was a really fun and also incredibly uh just memorable performance. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad it, it struck a chord with you. Um, and yeah, that's a great example of, you know, the, this idea of um, so often music, the conventions, it, maybe the content of the music can be, you know, wildly different, right? Like what is on the main stage at Carnegie Hall from night to night can be really wildly different. But the the conventions of the audience and the performers is quite rigid, right? So one of the things that I think we, we've come back to very often um, in Bent Duo projects and also in working with other artists or, uh, or playing existing work is, is, is 
um, projects that sort of disassemble that and maybe don't only draw on and going back to this like interdisciplinary, which to be fair can mean, and in how many grant applications has it meant totally different things, right? Depending. But one of the things I think, um, one of the ways this sort of interdisciplinary mentality functions in um, Bent Duo's work a lot is is in the, that fundamental structure, right? Not just creating in a structure of uh, music, right? Performers and audience, but thinking about, okay, what if we think about, maybe it's the same content, but what if we think about it through a different lens, right? Like what if we think about it through a movement lens, right? Like that piece, for instance, if we were on a stage and the audience was somewhere else and we kept, you know, in our, our space, and the audience stayed put in their space, right? The experience of that would be like completely different, right? So thinking about that piece, like, yeah, it is a sonic piece, but what if we think about this sonic piece like through the lens of movement? If we do that, like it actually changes the piece in a way, it changes the experience of the piece um, and it changes the way that we relate to the audience and the audience relates to the piece. So. I think that's, um, yeah, it's something we've come back to again and again. And also, like, we now coming up, because it got rained out the first time, right. we have a project coming up in, in Inwood that also, you know, sort of at its heart is about, like, thinking about the role of how, uh, you know, not us, everybody but us, right, functions in the context of a work that we create, um, this sort of idea of a community sound installation, like it doesn't exist without the participation of, you know, the community or the community that comes together um, over the course of this piece. Um, and so that's another way of kind of rethinking these fundamental structures that exist in music and I suppose in all forms, right? And mm -hmm. kind of just, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. Well, and just put the, I'm going to push you a little bit further with that. Um, that is going to be coming up at the Ring Garden, mm. uh, uh, just as a sound installation, um, on the, the end of October, right? Yes. So October 23rd. Yes, I should have specified what I was actually talking See, about. See, I'm okay. here for you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> so um, this, yes, this upcoming um, also Inwood project happening at Inwood's iconic Ring Garden. Okay, in many respects, like the heart of, or one of the hearts of um, Inwood. Yes, for sure. Uh, is, is something we've been working on for a few years. And so it's really exciting it is coming together. It was supposed to have already happened, but as sometimes is the case in gardens, the weather was bad. <laughs> and so um, it got postponed to a rain date. Yeah. So it will be happening on October 23rd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, and as I started to sort of allude to and maybe didn't quite get specific enough, it's a community sound installation. So it's open to absolutely anyone who wants to participate um, for any amount of time. You can come at, you know, for two minutes, you can come and stay for every second of the four hours. Um, and it requires absolutely no musical training or musical background, anything like that at all. Um, the concept of the piece really, I mean, it's really a very inward project. And I think um, you can probably relate to where I was coming from as I started to kind of 
think through the beginnings of this piece, which is so often people say about Inwood, like, oh, it's it's a real neighborhood, right? Or, oh, it, it has a real neighborhood feel, or it's like, right? And it's like, okay, what does that mean, actually? And I think that there are a lot of false answers to that, right? And it's expanding it maybe broadly beyond Inwood. I'm sure there are other places that people talk about in this way, right? <clears throat> so I think like one false answer is like, it's a neighbor, it, it feels like a neighborhood because everybody who lives there is the same, right? Like it's everyone is the same ethnicity or everyone is the same religion or it feels like a neighborhood because, you know, only people who kind of make this much money, right, can afford to live there, right? So it gives this cohesion through sameness, right? And that's very much not Inwood, right? Like Inwood is very diverse in all of those ways, religiously, ethnically, linguistically, in terms of economics, right? So Inwood, everybody says, has this, you know, it's, it's a real neighborhood, but it really isn't any, so I think, I was thinking, okay, those are false answers. So what actually then is the, what is the tangible thing that people are talking about when they talk about that neighborhood feeling? And really, the more I thought about it, I kind of zeroed in on it's really about the this over layering of these many many and very varied relationships that we have right that oh you know my next door neighbor who you know I've seen her kid grow up you know and also the person who works in the dollar store downstairs who I don't know their name right but I know them by sight and if I saw them on the subway you know on the other side of town I would recognize them right, right. or the person that you know um I see in the park and we say hello to, but you know, I don't know anything else about them. So it's all these different relationships that are layered on top of each other and the way that then those interconnect between all of the people in the community. Um, and so that got me thinking like, that's a structure, right? So if that's a structure for um, a neighborhood, it could also be a structure for, for a piece. And so the idea with this piece, um, which is called the singing garden is it takes that shape. Okay. Of all these different and in a sense, random, right? Cause you don't know when you're going to see your neighbor, right? Like they might be home. They might be not, you don't know when you're going to run into that person. And it takes all of those sort of micro relationships and the randomness of that. And it assigns sound to that. And so basically we're making a sonic structure that is based on the community structure of the neighborhood, I think. And, um, and in the same way that the, the sort of neighborhood, the community that exists in the neighborhood is kind of beautiful in that, in its complexity and in its randomness, um, Hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, the sonic it will be a beautiful sonic structure. Sounds like as a well structured plan to me. <laughs> but and that's part of the thing. Like we'll see. But that's really what that's the concept. And so it's great. It's great that it's finally happening. And also um, that it it is happening in in the Ring Garden, which you know is sort of Iconic. like I said, the, the a heart of of Inwood. So it couldn't be happening in a better it's place. Like our, yes, it's our major major thoroughfare if you will yeah, yeah right there yeah. well um listener do yourself a favor and take yourself 
to that experience on the 23rd. I hope to see you there. Uh, speaking of uh, going, we would like to leave our listeners with one more song. Um, what can you share with us next, David? Oh, sure. Okay, so the the final um, track is from um, my most recent album, which is called Post. Uh, it came out on New Amsterdam, New Amsterdam Records in the spring, and uh, and it was such an exciting project um, to work on. It's a big the whole album is a uh, is for solo piano and electronic processing um and it exists it's a collaboration with Jerome Begin who's a composer he's also a very good pianist um but in the context of this project um is working as the uh you know composing and also on the electronic the processing end of things and what the music in this album really does is it sort of rethinks what solo piano music can be in the context of contemporary society, right? Like we now live in a world in which even many of our most personal or important relationships are mediated in some way by technology, right? And during the pandemic, during lockdown, like never did this become more clear, right? Where it's like, maybe you haven't seen your parents in a year, right? And the only way that you're able to communicate with them is through Zoom, right? Instead of physically going to a doctor, right? Many of us were using technology, right, to have that interaction. And so thinking about that in terms of the the you know grand tradition of solo piano music was really it got us thinking like okay all basically everything in our life or so much of our lives is mediated to a greater or lesser extent by technology and that changes all kinds of things about the way we feel about these things about the shape of our relationships about the way we experience say that doctor's appointment or that chat with our mom right and so what if we really explore what that means for piano music because even though obviously we're making a recording is a technological medium right um conventionally when you make a it's something like a solo piano album. What you're thinking through technologically is how to make it sound like the technology isn't there, mm -hmm. right? It's like, how, how can I make it seem as though you're sitting in a room with me, whether it's a big concert hall or it's an intimate room, and you're listening to me play the piano live. So we wanted to turn that upside down and start from the point of technology exists, Right. This is not we're not recreating or trying to recreate the experience of live performance. So if we start from that position, what does that do and where does that lead us musically? And I think what it ended up doing and, you know, it has been such a gratifying project um, is it, it leads to places that are sometimes very familiar, but arrived at in an unexpected way. And sometimes pl to places that are really unexpected and then 
cause a, a response that may be something that feels really beautiful that you would not have felt that way about otherwise. Um, and so that's sort of at the heart of the overall project. This is the first track on the album. And it's one of the, some of the music gets pretty crazy. And this is like, there is a lot of energy in this uh, in this opening piece. And it really also starts, you can almost hear that we're starting from a point where it's almost like, okay, I'm not a scientist, but I'm going to pretend for a moment what I think of uh, like nuclear uh, fission or something, right? Where something is so tightly, you know, sort of cosmically bound to each other. And then you hear it start to physically separate a little bit. And as that happens, there's just this enhancement, almost like, you know, uh, uh, Un, uncalculable enhancement of energy as you hear these two forces that that start out inherent to each other pull apart from each other and that kind of drives the piece to this point of like almost like I don't know extra human extra pianistic frenzy or something like that um so it's it's a it's a, one of my favorite tracks from the album yeah without further ado David Friend Thank you. 
these patterns, right? That's what it's called? These patterns, yep. All right. Well, it definitely starts a pattern, and we'll see where the rest of it goes. The album's called Post, so go check it out. Uh, and David, it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Glad we can finally make this happen. Um, before we say goodbye, where can we send people to find this album and more of your work? Sure. Um, so you can go to uh, my website, which is davidfriendpiano.net. Um, for the album specifically, it's available on anywhere you would buy or listen to music, all the streaming stuff, Bandcamp, um, the New Amsterdam website, iTunes, all of that. Um, and uh, for more info about um, uh, Bent Duo projects, you can check out um, bentduonyc.com. And uh, I'm also on Instagram. So David Friend Gets Loud is my Instagram handle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so feel free to follow me there and also thank you so much for having me and also thank you for everything um, you do for the creative community of town it's really remarkable thanks David appreciate yeah. it well uh, listeners you can find a link to David's work in the description of this podcast okay uh, thanks again David Friend for joining me on this artist spotlight edition of Inwood Artworks On Air hey it's where we meet the musicians writers theater makers and artists of all stripes that make their home here in uptown Manhattan. Um, if you have a moment right now, please, 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 please rate and review this podcast and Apple podcast that really does help us. Uh, many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here for hosting us and to HideSites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming because it's a lot of it's free, folks. Uh, make a text donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate or do it via Venmo. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And also, Inwood Artworks is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.